Hello and welcome to One Throw at a Time, a player's perspective on the game that builds and breaks our hearts. My name is Johnny Mox, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, co-conspirator, and co-all the other things, Rowan. Rowan, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Johnny. I, I have to say... To our listeners, we're in a new setting, and I am blown away with you and Jamie's setup. This is the first time we're recording at Johnny's place, and it is beautiful. The green, the air, the organization. Y'all could be interior designers. Thank you so much. Yeah, most of this is Jamie's vision. Um, of course, I had to give it a name, though, and there's a little bit of a story behind You're the You're good name. with your words. Um, good with my words, a little bit of a story. Uh, when we played Toronto this year, we were driving through downtown uh, Toronto, and there was a store called the Cozy Grotto. And I thought that was just an, a really nice name. It had like plushies in there and some different anime style things. And I thought that was cute. So I adopted it and, and our little our little place is called the Cozy Grotto. So welcome to the Cozy Grotto, Rowan. Hopefully it will imbue this episode with the magic it needs to make sure that we're delivering for our listeners. And speaking of delivering, Rowan, the AUDL is delivering some playoff action this upcoming weekend. How are you feeling about it? What do you think the Breeze season has um, been like to date? How do you think it's going to culminate? What kind of energy are you feeling moving into our most important game of the year? Well, if you turn back a couple of episodes, really, you can pick one out. I've articulated a, a weird energy this season, but that has all gone away. I'm feeling fantastic. And let me outline the two reasons why I'm feeling really optimistic. First, one, it had been a weird start to the, the team. It was just a kind of a long preseason and we had a big team and it was great and we needed that whole you know team to step up we had low numbers at some practices of course lately there's been the club overlap so breeze 2023 has felt a little bit more interjected than the last two campaigns of course in 2021 there was really no club ultimate so it was everybody was all about the breeze 2022 was kind of a blend but lately, and usually at this point of the season in the pro season where your club players are finding their families, vault, truck stop, and some others, the team kind of kind of divides a little bit. But the last two weeks, I've thought we've just been sensational. We've been great teammates. We've been focused on ourselves. We've been working hard. And it's shown in our comeback against Philadelphia and our big win against Toronto. Now you can write off Toronto as like a young team, but the Breeze specifically has struggled putting away teams, you know, that we might think are not as good as us. And to play four good quarters there, have a great sideline, Daryl's back, crew's been killing it. I have reason to believe that we are peaking at the right time. And yeah, do you feel that as well? Like where are your thoughts coming from? Yeah, I definitely feel that energy. I think different folks have been putting it together over the last, you know, four to five games even. But I think sure. that um, as that kind of trend has started, then now we're getting the entire team kind of putting things together and, and coming together. So I definitely feel that energy too. Um, I also think that folks are going to be really excited uh, to play at home for the playoffs this first round. Um, and of course, uh, you know, take that first step. I think that... Um, 
the, the, the main thing we have to do now as a team is, you know, the title of this podcast, the thing that I live by personally is take it one throw at a time because each of these moments is going to be, um, you know, a battle in itself. And I think that, um, sometimes in the past I've seen teams in kind of our position who are consistently playing, you know, similar opponents in the playoffs look past, um, you know, certain, obstacles you know this being the first round of the playoffs but boston is a really great team and um we're going to give them all the respect and uh what that looks like from the breezes side is respecting an opponent means you know putting out our best game against them so really looking forward to uh our game on saturday and and speaking of one throw at a time you know your offense william and mary offense the truck stop offense that the breeze is pretty much running has not looked as good as it did last year um, but lately it's starting to come together. We played maybe one or two turns last game, a couple more practices that have looked good. What do you think has changed and why is the offense looking, you know, you know, twice as good, honestly, over the last yeah, four or five games or even specifically the last two, three weeks? Yeah, I mean, you talked about looking back on past episodes. Um, this is one that uh, that we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago. You're getting the exact things that we're telling our teammates here, and that is I think we've been doing a much better job of focusing on the mental side and not having lapses, you know, midway through the game, three-fourths of the way through the game. That's where our two turns came against Toronto, but they were the only two, you know, by you and me. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got that responsibility there to clean it up Very ourselves. True. But I think the mental side has been a lot better. Um, folks are... Being being aware of that, you know, very vulnerable period where lapses usually are happening um, and making sure that we come together and change those. I also think that um, it's it's been cool to see how different folks slotting in at the right times um, have kind of taken pressure off of people who were maybe doing what their role wasn't necessarily meant to be doing and are being able to get back to that and doing, you know, one or two things really, really well instead of, you know, five to seven things pretty well sure. and like reaching for those things. So like a great example is um, Gus Norbaum's been back playing at a lot of practices, really great mobile reset. Um, we got our U24 guys back. So Jacques slotted into the offense really nicely. And I also think um, one of the things that helped us out a lot um, the practice before the Toronto game and in the Toronto game was when Daryl got back, he put a large emphasis on um, making sure that everyone knew their role and sort of what he wanted them to be doing specifically rather than just like, hey, let's try to work the disc down the field, not huck it too much and um, maintain possession and see where that gets us. Um, Daryl uh, did a great job of telling people, hey, like you are a pure finisher. We don't want to see you, you know, in those little chisel lanes or we only want to see you in those little chisel lanes getting unders and, um, you know, L cuts or, um, hey, you're going to be a handler who adds a little verticality to the offense. You're going to be um, the person who comes back and gets the emergency reset, you know, whenever we need it. And I think that uh, kind of chunking out those roles and putting those boundaries in place um, allows folks to find their flow easier, kind of like the boundaries of the channel, the boundaries of the river that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Putting those in place has allowed individuals to find their flow. And I think especially in the Toronto game allowed our offense to find uh, its flow as a unit. So I think those are the changes. I also just think like the more time you play together, the more chemistry is going to be built and the more you're going to build up that trust Yes, it works, uh, you know, season after season, but it also every season is different and every season you need to build that trust anew. So that's what I think is going on. 
yeah, I mean, I think we're working together better. I mean, again, it was a slow start for me. I was on the defensive side, came in late, and I think, yeah, I think we're doing a nice two-pronged approach, you know, kind of as the captains on the breeze, and I think it'll seep into truck stop where I feel like you're – those boundaries that you talked about, I think are being executed and people are doing a good job of working on that strong skill set that they bring to the table. And then I'll keep, you know, trying to push a little bit more. Lately, I've been kind of on the kick. Just, hey, if your teammate messes up, no big deal. At three weeks ago, I talked on this podcast about, you know, not berating, but kind of being a little bit too strict. And I just... I think we found a happy medium with we have some boundaries, but now it's up to us to execute. And if somebody makes a mistake, it's on to the next pass. Like, no, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? So support is huge for us. I think we're finding our support and I think we have the right strategic outlook ready for the playoffs. Yeah. And establishing those boundaries earlier allows us then to enter the mode of, you know, solely supporting and going for that next pass one throw at a time in the game because, uh, you know, it develops that kind of accountability that is necessary for that kind of relationship. So, yeah, really excited to uh, to head to practice tomorrow and, uh, you know, head to the game on Saturday and take it one throw at a time. Um, additionally, Ro, this past weekend, a lot of ultimate on the yeah, calendar. Yeah, we alluded to a little club ultimate earlier. What, yeah. what do we get up to this weekend? Yeah, this past weekend, um, Truck Stop had its annual retreat. Uh, last year, we got a little rained out and had to do it in D.C. proper, yeah. which was actually, I thought, pretty fun. I mean, yeah, a lot of we had games. some board games, rainy practices, which, you know, I always like. Helps practice a little bit of different throwing, makes everything yeah. feel epic, a little angsty, but, you know, that's my vibe. And then we got, like, some, uh, you know, some beer at a nice brewery, etc. in the city. But this year... We did it up a little bit. Uh, Reese had us Shout over out, to... Reese. He might get one throw. Yes. Or one uh, flying high. He, he probably should. Uh, Reese took us out to his, his uh, family lake house uh, in Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia, or thereabouts on Lake Caroline. Um, really gorgeous house. And we got there. We drove down right after the Breeze game on Friday night, so we like couldn't see the kind of view that evening. But woke up to this gorgeous view right on the lake. There's a nice dock out there. Um, Reese's family has like boats and uh, kayaks that you can take out um, huge yard played a lot of yard games including my favorite live ball live ball was I I didn't join but I was watching that circle closely you want to take us through a live ball rules and regulations I think I think this will be a, a massive hit yeah, I mean, live ball is a lively game for sure. You know, get a group of folk can be anywhere from two to ten people um, line up in a rough circle. Everyone has to touch the ball once with their with whatever they want. You can't double touch it. If you double touch it, start over. Everyone has to go around and touch the ball once um, before you can start scoring points. And you score points by heading the ball. And you just try to get as many as you can. So, I mean, it sounds maybe a little bit mundane, but once you get going, once you're in it, great team building activity and just a super exciting game to do. I think with Ultimate Team specifically, but really anyone you want. Coach Alex crew hitting the deck, laying out left and right. Yeah, I mean, when your coach is in it that much, you know it's a fun game um, when when they want to play instead of coach. So that's very exciting. Um, We played live ball, did a lot of fun activities, um, and we had... Our, our 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 classic cookout. We had our classic a uh, hot seat fire yeah, pit yeah, I, time. I had to leave, so I had to leave a little early. One thing, our young listeners out there, 
don't don't uh, associate too much yet with Club Ultimate is the the heavy time commitment. You know, that's you get so much out of it because you spend so much quality time with your friends. But I had my entire family in town, so I was juggling two things. One of the it was a bit challenging, but I left early. I got to get my hot seat and go. Uh, and then yours came. I missed yours. How was how was your three minutes? It was good. My I think my hot seat was pretty nice. Um, you know, didn't get asked too many prying questions, and the ones yeah. that were asked, I was ready good. for. Good courtesy. Um, yeah, a little legend. courtesy hot seat. Um, and it was good. I mean, you always get close to teammates when you get to know whatever you want about them. So it's a it's a it's a game that I think sometimes can get a little weird when you know a question is asked and you hear an answer and you're like, well, I could have done without hearing that. Um, not because you know you're like shaming the person but just because like things can get awkward when you know truths arise but none of that really happened this time um it was a pretty good time around the fire and definitely felt like i got closer to teammates new and old um so that is good and we also had you know two practices in the weekend too so it was packed that's a pro tip for you know club teams out there i know that my brother Chad and Stephanie, captains of Sunken Circus, had their team retreat two weeks ago, and I think it's a great tool for any club team at any level or sports team in general to do is just go camping Saturday night and you know have a practice Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. It's just a yeah a great tool to get cohesive, get to know your teammates, and that's a a reason a lot of us do the sport, not just to play, but to to spend some quality time and and meet. Some people I saw you chatting up with Marcus, getting to know some some people one on one, and yeah, special time for for all. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you have a teammate with a lake house, all the better because yeah. I tell you, nothing like heading out Saturday morning. Practice isn't until you know one thirty two. Reading a nice book and hanging out. Fifty yard field, which is perfect. His backyard, fifty yards, but a down slope, so you can just stay at the top of the hill and launch pulls into the water and have your teammates catch them that, that was, was a fun time that's I, where i was living yeah i enjoyed watching that um i was live balling really yeah. intensely right during next that. yeah right next to throw so, so sometimes it, was, it went over your head yeah exactly it was a little a little tough got hit in the neck with one at one point being thrown back from the lake but you know that's kind of the the hazards of off, that's the, the hazards of playing hard yeah um i took one attempt at that around that time missed it didn't really you do had to well hit a gap. there's a couple of trees how did a gap then I tried again when people were like, there was like four people just chilling in the lake like later Not on. Not many targets. And I threw it. Perfect shot. Pretty much a line drive. Not too high. Not too you're, low. You're Johnny Huck. And then, what does it do? But it just grazes right over Luke Rafus's blonde <sighs> head in the distance. No way. Yeah, like no one was looking in the lake. Wow. So like it's good that it didn't hit him. Yeah. But it was like around the cluster of four, like right over his head. Wild. Brilliant. Um if it had hit him in the head probably would have hurt and would have gotten a little bit of a little bit of a uh, a little bit of scolding for that. You so I'm glad, it didn't. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it didn't. Shout out Charlie McCutcheon. Um we played uh first to three, me versus Ben Ort throwing from the top of the hill. Charlie McCutcheon with the game winning catch for team floaty um in our game. That's huge. What That's was the really record big. for live ball? Live ball, we got up to 51 on the weekend. 51? I thought it was 29. 29 was probably with the iteration we had with you, but um, we had a nice group, I think, headlined by like Bartlett, Cranston, um, 
former soccer players, Musa, who were really into heading it. Thomas Edmonds was a mainstay for the live ball crew. And, you know, getting over 50 is no small feat. So we'll have to go for 100 um, coming up at uh, maybe at U.S. Open in Colorado. Maybe the air will uh, the, the air up there will help us. Um, so we'll see. Stay tuned. If you ever want to get in on a truck stop live ball game, just come by and say hi. Um, Rowan, that was a wonderful recap. Let's move on to some shenanigans now. Before we do, I want folks, if you're enjoying the episode, to just head over and check out patreon.com slash onethrowpod, O-N-E-T-H-R-O-W-P-O-D. We've got a nice vibrant community over there. I look today, something well over, you know, 10 members, which is great for a little mom and pop like ours. We've met three, probably. One came to our Breeze game last week. Yeah, we've met a lot. So um, looking forward to uh, meeting more of you and hopefully more of y'all signing up if you'd like. Um, if you don't want to, you know, support the podcast monetarily at one throw at patreon.com slash one throw pod, we totally understand. Um, the best thing you can do otherwise is just tell a friend about it. Um, you know, keep our numbers going up and keep, uh, that listener support going. We really appreciate it. Rowan, this shenanigans episode was inspired by... A pretty much, I would say, ubiquitous trend in Ultimate, and that is pump-up music, or at least, you know, listening to music to get into your flow, get into the vibe of a tournament day or a game day. Um, and so what we did is we tasked ourselves with coming up with our perfect, our ideal single to get into the mood for Ultimate. Um, and so in this case, what I'm thinking of as a single is you got the album name, or you got the single name, then you got the A side and you got the B side. So we've got our album name, we've got two songs. Um, we both came up with uh, one for each of you know ourselves. And I want you to go first, Ro. And oh, what no. I want you okay. to do is I want you to you know read your title, uh, read your song titles, your A and B side, and then talk a little bit about what the vibe of the album would be at large, what the vibe of each song would be, and how that would help get you into your flow. Okay, it's, you know... You know, I, I'm glad I'm going first because I, I know you are a true musician and you have a good CD lined up. My title of the, the album or of the, the project is called The Rock Berries, which comes from, of course, Roxbury Road, where I grew up, grew up on. And believe it or not, I am in a band as well. And we have done eight songs that will never be released. However, The Rock Berries also doubles as kind of my personal vibe ultimate vibe it's got to be a rock it's sweet as a berry so i felt that it was kind of apropos in that regard track a is called no traveling and that comes from a little bit of a play on words where i love to travel the the world and meet the ultimate community and that's a big source of inspiration for my own game and for what i do and why i train why i practice of course, traveling over the world. However, I put the word no traveling in there to pay respect for all those people that are worried about a toe drag. And you see them online, you see them live, you see them at the pickup games. It's okay. Just let the toe drag go. I call it no traveling out of respect. And track B, you know, track A, no traveling is kind of more of a deep vibe meet the world connect vibe track b is your pump up pre-game song it's called send it back it's got a very catchy chorus 
It's very kind of generic, poppy, send it back, send it back. And I'm hearing it right now. Yeah. It's like a it's whole, like a, it's a laid out snare, in front of me. Snare. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like driving. So this back. one is like, it's a national championship game. This is what you're listening to. Hopefully subliminally, subliminally you're, you're, you're not going to send it back every time. You're going to talk out the calls because, you know, I don't want it to be like a, a bad spirit song, but it rides the line and it's a little edgy. I love that. I so, think that's wonderful. That's my project, and I'm excited to hear what you have in store for us. The Rock Berries. We, we might also have to hear more I about might these. I might a song. Yeah, I these eight unreleased tracks. Yeah. I'm sure folks will be, will be interested in it. Well, Rowan, I mean, it's no secret. Well, first of all, I want to say that I think that's an amazing Thank idea you. for a Thank single, you. and I think it's perfect. Um, it's no secret that I am an angsty boy sometimes. Yeah, very true. And I also, another thing that I've said on this podcast before, also no secret, is that sometimes nothing fires me up or gets me in the mood for ultimate, like, musical songs. Yes. Um, and specifically, it's because I think, like, I can kind of imagine myself like the main character of a musical, yeah, wow. strutting around on stage and, you know, just taking it, like you know moment by moment and that's really what ultimate is about is like you have to have a nice mix of like main character energy but also understand that there's going to be setbacks and just like you know a Jean Valjean and a Les Mis which is one of the one of the kind of mainstays of my rotation that I've talked about before it's like you're gonna have to go through trials and tribulations but as long as you stay the course you're gonna come out with something that you're really proud of and so like just going on that theme my single my project is going to be called angst the musical wow right to the bone you got to get right to it there's no there's no abstraction there the first song is going to be kind of a moody one um and it's going to be full of you know ups and downs and the title reflects that rowan and it's it's called you love me and you left me then you came back but now I'm sad. I loved. I love that title. It's made, It's long. Yeah, but I like that. That's important. It, it has yeah. to be long, just because sometimes ultimate games are long. You got to be ready for them. There's gonna be a lot of violins in there. There's gonna be like sporadic singing, but not too much. It's gonna be like so soft that you can't really make out what they're saying. But then on the climactic parts, it, it comes in and you can really crescendo and hear, you know, kind of the straining in I the hear. voice of <laughs> you, hear. you hear it right now, the straining in the voice of the main character. Then. Side B, it kind of gets to a little bit more upbeat, but there's also it's marred by a little bit of you know moodiness as well. And the second track is called "You Look at Me Through the Window and Pierce My Little Heart with Happiness." Wow, also really it, long. Yeah, I loved. I think that's a great, super long title, super short song. Oh, the song's forty-five seconds. What? Yep, forty-five <laughs> seconds. Less words, and it's than like the title. a lot of soaring you know, strings and clarinet. And then like, it's probably just someone, you know, singing their little heart out as, as the title says, you look at me through the window and pierce my little heart with happiness, singing their little heart out. But then there's the piercing. There's like the, the, that kind of word. That's like, you can't tell if it's good or bad. That's the thing. And so then that's going to get me like, put me right on the edge of my seat. And then I'll stand up, get onto the field, play a couple, play a couple of points and see what happens. Would you ever consider making that a, a real thing? And we'll see. I mean, you know, you if, there, the skill sets. if there's interest, I might, you know, make Angst the musical and you love me and you left me. 
then you came back, but now I'm sad might be a song. I could lend the Rockberries for a little, if you need like a little... little backing track. A little backing track. Featuring the Rockberries. That's perfect. <laughs> we might just have to do we have to make this album. single. We'll see. Um, but Great Shenanigans Road, thanks for entering into dreamland with me. It's always fun. Let's move on to some listener questions. We have four to answer this week, so thank you so much for writing in listeners. Uh, We're going to start out with a couple from our wonderful listener, Calvin. Calvin asks, he has a tryout-related question. Calvin knows that we've said defense is the key to sneaking our way onto teams as a young player, but Calvin was unsatisfied with some of his results from this tryout season. His question is, could he do anything to stand out further um, you know, in a situation where he's trying out for, you know, a high level club team um, or like youth tryouts where he's trying against 80 to 100 different players for six hours. And apparently Calvin is from Seattle. Yep. So that sounds very much like a Seattle scene. I know not everyone has that challenge, but it sounds like Calvin does. Any additional tips for standing out at tryouts? Yeah, I'm going to go with one we haven't shared yet. And I know we we talk a lot about like the mindset and what to bring and I'm going to go a different way. I think if you're trying to try out for a high-level team, try to play as much high-level mini or games as possible leading up to that. I think there's building your skill set, which is something that I care deeply about. Practice a lot. I train a lot. And then there's another part to being good at Ultimate is to play well with good competition or when it matters, so to speak. So by playing those mini games, by playing the highest level you can play before tryouts, you're getting game reps to start to use skills that you've been training and working hard on. So I think that could be one small tip that helps Calvin and a lot of people. And you can almost just consider all those times like many tryouts. So when you get to a high pressure tryout, very competitive, it's just like you've been there before because you've been playing lately in that same kind of environment. Maybe not as strict and stringent of an environment, but still a competitive one. Johnny? Yeah, I think I may have said this one before, but I'm going to dig it out of the vault. Um, last time we were talking about some defensive, you know, in tryouts, you make the the best teams by playing good defense. I'll give you a couple offensive tips this time. Let's go. The first offensive tick that I said I mentioned a while back is um, at hockey tryouts when I was young, the players who would make the best teams didn't necessarily score the most goals but they would always hit the post a lot. And so hitting the post makes a loud noise, makes Everybody the coach looks. look at you. Exactly. Wow. So the what I attribute that to in Ultimate is layouts. And it can be DRO. The key here is that it has to be safe because there's nothing that cuts you're you from cut. a team you're faster cut. Cut. than making a bad bid. Especially on like, you know, a, a legend of the team. Exactly. So this is why I'm framing it as an offensive thing sure. where it's like, you want to put yourself in a position to make plays, layouts, skies, these things. It's not necessarily about playing the best game you've ever played. It's about doing the most things that are in the biggest spotlight at the tryout, sure. especially when you're trying it out against a lot of people, like it sounds like you are, Calvin. The second thing that I'll say is, almost on the flip side of that coin, when you're being watched, it's great to do something wonderful. But you only need like one or two wonderful moments to stand out because with 80 to 100 other tryouts, you're not going to be like, you know, being watched every second. The flip side of that coin is if you do one bad thing when you're being watched, that could define the way that you're spoken about in those leadership meetings to decide the team. 
when you're being watched, right? So sometimes you'll do a bad thing, it won't be watched. Sometimes it'll be a good thing, you won't be watched, and it will, you know, even out. But the what I'm trying to get to here is throwing, for instance, like a bad huck turn at like the last, you know, scrimmage of the tryouts where like coaches are like, we're going to be watching you play your best game. Like, that's not what you want to do. So it's a tough balance, but I would say like it's much better to be neutral when you're being watched and do a few wonderful things that hopefully are watched than, you know, go for it all and throw turnovers, like throw a pair of turnovers when you're being watched. Um, It's a tough thing. Like tryouts are not fun by my estimation, especially because like sometimes their outcomes can be really unfair. Um, But these are just a couple added tips. Tryouts will sometimes come down to a bit of a variance. Exactly. Yeah. So digging into the bag for you, Calvin, hope you can find some helpful truth in there. Calvin asked another question. Thank you, Calvin. Wondering what our optimal diet is for the week before a tournament going into the weekend. Calvin said that he tried to go only veggie meat and fruit for a tournament, but ended up feeling a little depleted. He said, Rowan, you might be onto something with the potatoes. How do you prepare them? Two-part question. Yeah, two-part. I like it. I had potatoes today. I'll get to that in a second. But I would say I'm not like your dietitian, but I wouldn't change anything right before big tournaments or tournaments in general. I think the body likes consistency. So no big curveballs, but if you want to start over time, my personal guess, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a licensed nutritionist, but just to eat pretty healthy. And I know Johnny likes to make sure he gets enough calories when he plays because the calorie deficit, especially at tournaments, is huge. So eat a lot, drink a lot of water, and just, yeah, buy like deal breaker. Of course, obviously sugar is one of my deal breakers, but also like fried food. I just feel like I can't breathe as well. That could be, you know, fake science, but that's, that's my, uh, gut feeling for the potatoes you know i I don't want to spend 30 minutes telling y'all my secret potato recipes i got many but today put them in the oven 350 up top just some seasoning a little olive oil boom came out perfect fantastic nice that sounds great i like making potatoes in the air fryer so if you got one of those real quick nice you can cube them up get a little home fry going it's good um calvin yeah i would say rowan's right on the money in terms of like unless you're like a real professional athlete getting like dietitian advice or, you know, a lot of folks can like see consultant nutritionists, like that'd be great to do. Um, in terms of what we can offer, like I would say uh, a lot of folks on our team have like changed their diet randomly during the season and had bad results. So what I would say is just like, if you're looking to change something before a tournament or like gear up for a big moment in your ultimate career, I would just say like cut out the unhealthy stuff. Yeah. So like if you usually eat like ice cream after dinner for the week leading up to um, the tournament or the trout or whatever, just cut out that ice cream. Um, maybe replace it with like a protein smoothie or something if you're still feeling hungry or just eat more dinner um, if you're able to. Uh, at tournaments, Rowan alluded to the fact that I'm big on making sure that I'm eating enough. And that's very true. Um, you know, best advice anyone gave me was, you know, maintain throughout the day of a tournament. So, you know, eat cliff bars or whatever you like having on the sideline. Um, I'm not much one for tournament snacks. Like I yeah. don't love, you know, like gobbling down the um, the goldfish or like anything like that because it's yeah it's like very salty you do need salt but i don't think that much um and so i would say you know like maintain during the day have a few things that you rely on maybe a soy lint maybe uh, a, a a couple protein bars or whatever and then uh for the evening you gotta eat two dinners full hey, Johnny full does. dinners 
he'll do it. In one it's going to help you. I Guy promise. Um, you, you lose a lot during the day. So, and also during the day, you know, have a little sports sports drink with you. It really does help, even if yeah. it's not that hot. And and I will just like conclude with one pro tip is do what works for you. Like Johnny's go to tournament snacks are a little bit different than mine, but that's because he knows his body better. So just kind of feel feel what works well for you. A little trial and error over time and. That's how you uh, optimize. That's exactly right. You know, I would say like the ultimate peak is a little bit after, you know, the usual peak. It's not really 27. I would say it's like 30, 31. Yeah. And that's because. double peak, even 34, yeah, 35. Yeah, 34. Yeah, yeah, triple peak. Triple peak. Um, but the important thing there is that like, you know, we aren't only gaining ultimate skill, but we're gaining mastery over our body and understanding more about what it likes, what it doesn't like. So keep going, Calvin. I know sometimes it's frustrating, but you're going to get there. You're doing great. Next question here is from Krish. Krish, thank you so much for writing in. Krish asks, do we have a fixed warm-up routine before, before our games, or do we just go with the flow? Also, do we do team or individual warm-ups? Rowan, do you want to take this one to start? Yeah, um... My warm-ups is a little bit different. I mean, we do individual warm-ups by this point. I think there's usually a leader that corrals 5 to 10 people out of your 20 or 30. But for the most part, people do their thing. Mine changes over time. It's I'm in such a I was in such a tough spot for a couple of years where it's like even warm-up. I have to warm-up nice cuz my body had the hamstring injuries and other injuries. But like if I overdo the warm-up, then I you know, you know, either risk an injury or can't make it through. So I was in such a weird spot. So I cut down some stuff in my warm up and made it really efficient, quick, and try to get up to speed right before it. But in a perfect world, when I'm healthy, I want to be heart rate way up and hitting top speed before the first point. Cause I hate using the first couple points to just like rip the bandaid off of just like going 110%. So yeah, anything that you can get to 110% before the first pull is I think should be individualized. Um, and I'll let Johnny take you through like what he actually does. Yeah. Uh, we definitely mostly just do individual warmups at, at this point on Breeze and Truck. Um, even before our biggest games, I think it allows people to kind of have some, some them time before getting into the team time. Um, and yeah, I'll lay out the warmup that I usually do have been doing this season. So you do uh, leg sweeps, like herd the turtles, um, quad stretches, like grabbing your foot uh, to your butt. Um, though I do both of those walking, then I do, um, uh, lunges, uh, eight forward, eight backward. Um, the forward ones I do with a twist, the backward I do with my hands above my head. Then I do, um, grab the apples, plant the apples, which oh. is, uh, you know, kind of like a side lunge in a way. Um, if you see me ever, you can tell me to explain it to you. Um, then I go with a little bit of uh, hip openers. So I go open the gate, close the gate. Um, then I go with a single leg um, deadlift progression, walking. Then I do leg swings um, and hip openers, static, uh, like on a fence, like leaning against or a goal it. post with my teammates. I've exactly. seen, seen you guys group up there. There you go. Got to get the group going. Um, then I'll kind of go into my skipping progression. So I'll do high knees, butt kicks, A skips, B skips, some sprinter skips that uh, my, you know, my idol growing up, Sandy Jorgensen, taught me. I got the chance to play with her at Space yeah, Heater, yeah. amazing player. Um, then I'll go with some, uh, you know, grapevine, karaoke, a little bit of, uh, I do that low knee and high knee. And then I do some, uh, you know, sideways jumps, um, some single foot jumps and some sprints to end it out. So that's the whole routine, Krish. 
um, enjoy. You can, yeah, yeah, enjoy. Um, next question and our last question of the day is from David Birdwell, uh, one of our favorite listeners. Yeah, writes in a lot. A yeah. We appreciate you, David. And David said, wrote a little note that says he listens every week on his commute to practice. So that's really sweet. Hell yeah. I like that. Thank you so much, David. David says, we've both mentioned lifting weights. What are our favorite movements? How much do we squat? Who do we think has the biggest squat of our teammates? And then in club, how do we see the strength and weaknesses of two-handler vert stack versus three-handler vert stack? Ro, let's take the first question first. What's your favorite movement in the gym? Yeah, I I would say in my entire ultimate career, the three stars, going back to your hockey reference, uh, the three stars are your three MVPs. First star is the best? Yeah. Okay, so I'll start with third star would be kettlebell. I do a lot of kettlebells. I like the swings. You can do explosive movements. I was in Hawaii. I just got a 65-pound kettlebell, and uh, it got me into fantastic form. Career-long, third-star kettlebell. Second-star, the Airdyne bike. That's something I still use. I used it every single day last week. It attacks the heart. gives me a lot of confidence, fitness, and, yeah, it's just all heart. And ultimate's all heart. Then... First star probably would be the hex bar deadlift. I think that's something I've also used for seven years now. It's been very like easy on my hamstrings. Sometimes barbell deadlift is a little bit too much on my back or hamstrings. So those are my three favorite movements career-wise. Right now I'm, I'm on the Airdyne quite a bit. Haven't been on the hex bar too much and did kettlebell swings yesterday. Nice. Yeah, I love that. I'll probably, I'll just target, you know, three that come to mind. It ranked in no particular order. Got the single leg, um, single leg Bulgarian squit, yeah. split squat yeah. is always good. That's a good one. Um, then I got like a. I've been doing like single arm snatches recently, where it's like kind of a full body movement, but you use your legs, snatch up a pretty heavy um, kettlebell or dumbbell um, up above your head, and then bring it back down. Um, and then I also for abs, my favorite ab exercise is the V tuck twist. Um, which is kind of like a mixture of a crunch and bicycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But look it up. It's a good one. Um, you know, if you do, you know, 12 V-tuck twists when you get out of bed, 20 push-ups, it's a nice little morning routine. Um, and Fred Farah lifts, does all the lifts the most on our team and anybody. Right. Yeah, so division. definitely Fred Farah is the biggest squat. How much do you squat? Have you squatted in a while? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't really barbell squat. I mean, my strength coach, Tim Farina, has put me... He gives me some variations. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that I haven't max squatted in a really long time. But I think when I was like You're lifting a bunch, it was like 295 yeah. or 300. Yeah. But I haven't. And th- those were like repping. It still wasn't like one rep. I've never really tried to do that. Um, but yeah. Uh, in club, how do you see the strengths and weaknesses of a two-handler versus deck versus a three-handler versus deck? Rowan, I'll take this one. I think that, like, the way that I like to play offense, I don't really see it as, like, there's only two people back and then the one reset at the front. You know, I see it as kind of like I have my main reset who is, you know, pretty much on my my side, and then I have, like, everyone else who can fill from wherever they are in the field depending on the situation. And so I've never had, like, three, like, decided handlers back um with a vert stack unless we're doing some kind of pull play um i don't know about you but i've always been taught and used the like two handler back vert stack yeah i think that's the same thing i think handlers and like it's so much more fluidity in modern ultimate where it's you just 
somebody's got to be in a great position to be the reset, and you also need somebody who's going to like fill if if they decide to go upline or or make like an opportunistic cut that doesn't work. So yeah, um, the only thing I could think of with three back is you know if you're you're getting poached in both lanes, there's pretty hard to throw downfield. So right. I would guess I would say two back and then an active front of the stack like Mr. Christian Boxley himself. Or Rowan McDonald yeah, himself. You yeah, never know. That's true. I'll be there. Um, I will be there. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for the questions, y'all. We really appreciate uh, you sending them in and really love answering them. So please continue to do that. Our email is onethrowpod at gmail.com, O-N-E-T-H-R-O-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. Please continue to send them in there. Rowan flying high in the one throw sky this week is our teammate Reese Bergeron for, uh, and the whole Bergeron family. Absolutely. For letting us, uh, you know, have a nice little stay at your your lake house and their neighbors and the neighbor and everyone the neighbors who didn't complain when we were like screaming 1am just screaming about live ball and the lake stuff all at once it was a bit of a mad couple of frisbees uh on their yard yeah exactly so apologies for the frisbees on the yard thank you flying high in the one throw sky reese and the bergerons well that's gonna do it for us this week row uh we as always at the end of our episode here we have the pleasure of shouting out our wonderful patreon subscribers um now our evergreen subscribers we've only got two anonymouses so we've got one anonymous we know and one we don't know and we love you both so thank you so much um if you enjoyed what you heard today like i said the best thing you can do is tell a friend we don't do anything to market the show so we really appreciate that uh kind of word of mouth trust going between friends and family and whoever else you want to tell tell your cat tell your dog um or in my case my dog named cat i tell her about the podcast all the time great she really my first impression oh yeah, Rowan just met her. Just one Wonderful. bark and best friends. One bark. That's how she is. She always gives you a couple, one or two, you know, I'm going to protect this house barks. And then she's like, ah, oh, she's Do you still in. get the barks? I don't. Unless okay. I'm coming home. Dark. Like from, yeah, unless I'm coming home and you can't tell who I am. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at onethrowpod, O-N-E-T-H-R-W-P-O-D. Send in your questions, onethrowpod at Gmail. Head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash onethrowpod. We really appreciate y'all. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.